So then, continuing the series, we're looking at the series, and for those of you who don't know, because it's been spreading over many, many weeks, we had a bit of a kind of rotor thing going on, Andrew and I, and we kind of thought, oh no, it's going to be ages before I finished. But the series, based on the books that way back when we were on sabbatical, I read, which is The Culture of Honour. And we're kind of in the final furlong, almost there anyway, because this time, as you've already noticed throughout the rest of the service, that we're on the bit that talks about pastors, or, if you want the Greek word for it, poimen. Now, apparently the word poimen is 18 times in the New Testament, but every other time it's translated as shepherd. However, in this passage alone, it's translated as pastor. I'll just read to you that passage, just in case you've forgotten it. Ephesians 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, you will know what's coming next, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Pastors, along with those other giftings, those other callings, are crucial to the maturing of people in the fellowship into that place of the fullness of Christ. Now, pastor is actually one of the kind of tricky roles, well, I suppose all of them are really, in the sense that if somebody, and I include that everybody in the congregation, okay, all of these gifts, just in case you didn't hear me say before, are all gifts that are not just in the leaders, they're not just in the elders, they are gifts which the congregation can actually ask God for or be called into. Pastoring, like all of them, is actually quite a tricky one because there's a good and the bad and the other as well. But also, I mean, at its best... It is a role that helps people to care for and equip and inspire and disciple others. And also, obviously, themselves as well, because you you learn things about God. And, I mean, very often when I'm preaching, I'm thinking, yes, I better note that one myself. You know what I mean? That you learn things about God, which maybe you share with others, but also God speaks into your own heart. So pastoring at its best is a caring, equipping and inspiring and discipling gift and role and calling. At its worst, it is a role of rushing around, looking after, keeping everyone happy, spinning plates and massaging egos. And there's probably a few more in each of those categories. But there is that kind of downside of pastoring when you become a frazzled kind of... Have you seen those dilapidated sheep? You know, the ones with bits dropping off. I remember as a child, one of them came in and lots of bits dropped off in our tent when we were camping. Not a pleasant experience. Not one of those cuddly bunny kind of lamb things. And you do not want your pastors, your shepherds, to end up like bedraggled sheep. Some people equate the name pastor to their main church leader. For example, Andrew or myself. And, or they call their pastor, Pastor John, Pastor whatever, they call their pastor, pastor, as opposed to minister, vicar, priest, or any other title. But to say that that is the main role of a church leader, and the only the church leader who has that role, is actually unbiblical. And if there's an overemphasis of the pastoral side of the church leader, that actually does cause... 
know, does cause, it wasn't thumping my pulpit, by the way, that actually does cause problems. If we read in Danny Silk, he calls them senior pastors, okay, because obviously they have more than one, well, not obviously, but in America, they very often have kind of whole ranks of church leaders, but the senior pastor, how does this relate to that pastoral gifting? And also, if that is the main function and sort of key only function or gifting of the church leader, how that can be problematic. Let me read. Ah, the beloved pastors, where will we put another role that has helped complete the disorder in church government? Senior pastor. What a strange title when you look at the list that Paul laid out first in 1 Corinthians 12. Actually, if you look at that list, pastor isn't even mentioned, let alone numbered. How is it then that senior pastor is the title of the most important person in the church structure now in America, but you understand what I mean? I have a hunch. When a group of people come together, whether it is a family, a community, a business, a school or a church, it isn't long before the group organises itself in such a way to get its needs met. Imagine a survival scene from a movie. The ship sinks, the plane crashes, the people are lost. Whatever the incident, the steps are the same. The priorities are food and water, shelter and safety, and then hope for rescue. The longer the rescue delays, the more another priority develops. Who's going to lead us? The nod usually goes to the one who has the most aggressive plan to save the group, the Indiana Jones, if you will. If that doesn't work, then the group begins to think about long-term survival. The leader they pick for the long haul is much more compassionate, steady, practical, and predictable. This leader will make sure that the needs of the people are met. They will ensure that they are civilized and safe. He will be their pastor. Pastors emerge as long-term leaders when all hope of rescue is gone. People gather around the leader they believe will tend to their particular needs. It shows up in politics and business as well as churches. If the people's primary focus is on themselves, they will elect a leader who has the same focus. When the issue becomes long-term survival, the people will look for a pastoral anointing in their leader. It's as simple as that. The danger, however... If the pastor is not connected to the apostles and prophets, then their leadership will only lead people back to self-focus and the pastor will have to give them a natural alternative to the supernatural life. When a pastoral anointing is the primary anointing for the main leader, the people expect to be centre of the universe. And unfortunately, the pastor thrives for a season in that expectation and burnout naturally then follows. So then, I know that's perhaps quite a lot to kind of take in, but I guess really there are two problems that can emerge when we focus on pastoring being the exclusive kind of main list, main gift of the main leader. The problem is that when we understand that pastoring is is wrong is when it actually relies on one person, but also it's when it doesn't interlink with the other gifts. Do you remember the picture that um, Danny Silk gave, and I shared it a little while ago, of, of the kind of funnel 
that brings heaven's gifts down to earth. And it said that you need all of those gifts that were listed earlier, as I spoke in Ephesians, all of those gifts to actually be effective for heaven to come down to earth. When the pastoral anointing, therefore, is connected with the apostolic and the prophetic, it provides another vital part of that funnel that creates that flow from heaven down to earth. Pastors help the evangelists and, possible, and, and apostles to connect with the people, and the apostles and the evangelists and um, the, um, the pro- prophetic, they actually, the, the prophetically gifted, they actually help the pastor to be inspired and to be equipped, as it were, to actually be effective in that ministry of caring for others. Page 72, a shorter reading this time. This talks about what pastors bring. Pastors bring the nourishing presence of God into the lives of people. They connect the people to the supernatural event environment created by the apostles and prophets. Instead of leading people to themselves, which can happen if they are the ones who are relied on without the supernatural, and then showing them the love that they have for people who are hurting, pastors inspired by the other gifts begin to lead people into the presence of God to find the solutions for life's problems. It is the pastor's good pleasure to see that the saints find the green pastures of freedom and comfort made available by the apostolic ministry. So basically what they're saying, a bit of a translation is, that we need all of the gifts, and we need all of the gifts in different people to be raised up in the congregation so that is isn't just one pastor, which is clearly not true in our church anyway, but there are some churches where that is the case. But also, as well as that pastoral gifting, people who have pastoral giftings need to have the inspiration of other people with the other giftings, to listen to them, to cooperate with them, to be inspired by them, and to have that, that flow of the Holy Spirit down to earth. So then, the pastoral gifts, pastors. Within our church, there are people with pastoral gifts. I've give one example from this morning, and I asked him if he didn't mind if I gave it. Jack, you showed this morning pastoral gifts, didn't you? That you went up to Edna, and you said, well, where is, what exactly did you say, or do you want me to quote the phrase? You said, where's your partner in crime? Now, that was an endearing term for the other Edna, okay? Some people would come in and would not notice that we have not got two Ednas here this morning, but we have not, because the other Edna's not very well, is she? No, okay? And that was pastoral gifting being shown through Jack this morning. And there were loads of other examples, but I just sought his permission for sharing that one. That is pastoral gifting being exhibited within our church. Now, you may recognise that there are some people, like Jack, there are other people who actually particularly have that gifting, who know about people because they actually listen to them, they notice the needs of others. In 1 Peter 2.9... And elsewhere in the Bible, it talks about the priesthood of all believers or the pastorhood of all believers. And what it says in that passage is, says, everyone who trusts in Christ is a priest, is a pastor. We're all called to care for one another. When Jack was actually asking that question of Edna, I was standing here preparing my sermon. Now, clearly, I kind of noticed that Edna wasn't here, but I hadn't actually gone up and asked because I was doing something else. And that's often what happens, isn't it? You didn't actually mention it either, did you, I guess, Brian, because you were leading worship, weren't you? And it's, sometimes you'll ask how people are because you have that kind of pastoral gifting, but it's different situations. We need more than just one pastor, obviously, and we have, which is really good. 
We need to care and to love one another. Love one another, it says in John 13, 34, Jesus said. Love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. And that pastoring gift is a clear kind of outworking of God working in us. Danny Silk describes, if you're trying to recognize people with those pastoral gifts, Danny Silk describes, do you remember the car crash thing? He describes the kind of mindset in the car crash. I think this is the last bit I'm going to read from the book. The car crash story. Do you remember the mindset of the other people when I spoke uh, um, the other weeks? But he talks about this being the mindset of the pastor, the sort of things that they care about, what motivates them. He sets a scene and he says, if there's a car crash, the pastor would naturally do something like this. The pastor is the first one out of the car. He scrambles to assess the situation and begins a triage approach, applying first aid to injured victims. He gathers blankets, jackets, warm water and anything anyone else can find to try and comfort them. He surveys the situation to see if anything is threatening the safety both of those who are receiving care and those who've been drawn to the scene of the accident. He talks with each person to find out his name, marital status and whether he or she has children. He gathers vital signs information and any available emergency contact information in order to help the emergency team respond when they arrive. He brings a sense of calm into the situation. And each person there feels a genuine feeling of care and connection to the pastor. He wonders whether he should have been a doctor. It's kind of an extreme thing, but you know people who are like that. People who you know care about you. People you know actually are, are expressing concern and do listen to what you say. Those are some of the descriptions, if you like, to describe the mindset of the pastor. It talks in Galatians 6.2 about carrying one another's burdens. Sometimes the, the carrying of the burdens is something that the pastors do do. We're actually, as a church, um, going to, um, and I know there's, there's been a letter written about it, going to review and, and sort of develop our pastoral care structure within the church. And, and if you have that kind of feeling that this is a gifting that, that perhaps God might be giving me, calling me to, or it's something naturally that God blesses in you, please do talk to myself or Andrew or, or Steve or, or any one of the elders who stood up, don't worry about standing up again, that you might be interested in being involved in this. Is this something which is your mindset to care for people. I just want to sum up really in three short words, don't worry there will be bits to go with each word, three short words, what is something to describe what a pastor does. I'll go back to the road safety, we've had the road crash, now we're having the road safety. Stop, look and listen. Okay, that is perhaps a way to describe what pastors do. If you're thinking it may be something that you recognise in others or perhaps are feeling called to yourself. A pastor stops and takes time. I'd like to invite David, who's actually reading for Rona, who isn't here again today. She, isn't she one of our... Well, you're both two of our lovely pastoral care people. But anyway, you're going to read to us about what we should do. From Acts 20. Uh, the reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 
28 to 36. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you, night and day, with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver, gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. Amen. Therein speaks the heart of a pastor, doesn't it? And he's trying to equip others to pastor. Keep watch over yourselves. And I think that's an important thing of somebody who has that pastoral gifting. It's all very well trying to help disciple others, but also you need to keep watch over yourselves. But also take care of the sheep. It's, it's, it's like Peter, isn't it, when, when he was called to feed the sheep, to tend the sheep and take care of the sheep. Keep watch over yourselves. Take care of the, the, the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The, the Holy Spirit inspires people with that pastoral mindset to actually stop take care to to notice others, to look, we get on to the next bit of the road safety, to look and to assess things and to have the opportunity to notice things. Are you the sort of person who notices people and notices things? Do you look and do you see that somebody's not quite looking themselves or perhaps you look and you listen to God and God gives you a word of encouragement for somebody. It's not just negative stuff. It's not just binding up the brokenhearted. It's also kind of being inspired to see in people things that God sees in them, to say you know, about people's gifting and, and to, you know, to, to bless them and to encourage them, to help them seek new direction. That's all part of what the pastor's mindset is. All of these things about noticing, about looking, about watching and discerning, all point to potential pastors. A bit of a tongue twister, that. But anyway, just think about that stopping, taking time. And it is really difficult, isn't it, when you're rushing around. But pastors do need to take time to stop and to look. Maybe you notice, like Jack did this morning, that somebody's not here. Or maybe you notice that somebody seems to be not quite engaging with worship and, and maybe perhaps you think maybe there's something that, that's upsetting that between... Sometimes you get that kind of spiritual discernment about things between them and God are not quite right. And it says in James 5.19, if you should wander from the truth, someone should bring that person back. Who? Who should bring that person back? You know, sometimes we just need to say to somebody, how are you and God? You know, I mean, I'm not saying that you just 
come out with it like that, but, but sometimes God prompts you to say stuff like that. You know, are you okay? Are you really okay? And, and not just about physical health, but also about spiritual health or emotional health. You know, the pastors are the people who bring the prodigals home, who, who pick up the sheep and, and draw them back into the community of God, into the fellowship. Some people would say that, that pastoral care is um, sipping tea and eating cake, and although that is very nice, and it is to do visiting, is good, but that's just the first stage, perhaps. Pastoral care is more than that. Jesus, in the Great Commission, said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And it's, it's something deeper. It's not just, and I mean, I know we all fail at the just actually caring, but it's also going deeper than that, actually discipling and helping people to grow in God. And sometimes, if God calls us to do it, I'm not saying you need to be going around wagging fingers at people, but sometimes pastoral care can be having kind of mutual accountability. It can be actually sort of disciplining in, in kind of a gentle way. Now, it may not be everybody's authority, and maybe that's something you need to perhaps speak with, with Andrew or myself or, or one of the elders about if there is something that concerns you. But it talks about 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with, gen- with great patience and careful instruction. There's something about pastoring, about helping people grow with God that isn't always at a very easy and a kind of an, a, a kind of surface level. And again, in James 5.16, it says, confess your sins to each other so you may be healed. And I mean, one of the areas of pastoral um, kind of care and, and connection is perhaps things like prayer triplets, where you get together, you are accountable with somebody else. And, and you know, you perhaps do confess to one another so that you can pray and, and then you can be released of that and move on. It's stopping, it's looking and noticing, but it's also listening listening to those deeper things, listening to God, and praying for one another. That kind of listening and and, and submitting to one another is is talked about in the next reading I'd like to invite Edna to bring to us from Ephesians 5. Thank you, Edna. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Thank you. 
particularly that last verse I think is, is relevant, although all of it has some relevance in this context, just the idea of submitting to one another out of reverence of Christ. It's the idea of that kind of mutual accountability and that idea of you know, actually trying to help one another grow and develop. That is one another of the pastoral gifts. So we need to, if we are looking at a pastoral calling, listen to God for one another. It talks in Hebrews 10, 24 about spur one another another on to love. And and it talks about, and and to to good deeds, and it, it talks about how as pastors we need to be encouraging and growing people in their gifting and callings. The question is, I'm going to miss a bit of this out. The question is, how do we actually do it? I think the whole connect bit is the most important thing. We might have this kind of urge to help people, which is brilliant, and that is kind of the starting of a pastoral calling. But as well as that, we, we can't be doing it in our own strength because there's a danger of, like I said in the beginning, running around and trying to do everything for everybody, even when it's not perhaps our call, or um, sitting there wagging the finger at somebody when things go wrong and saying, well, I don't think you should be doing that, which actually, again, may not be our call. It's more of a submission anyway, but also maybe it's not appropriate for us to say that kind of thing. And I think if we are feeling that, that prompting to pastoral call that, and, and a pastoral kind of um, role, that we need to have that link with the Holy Spirit. We need to actually get the Holy Spirit to equip us. And um, I don't know if you remember the four basic works of the Holy Spirit, because we really need the Holy Spirit to actually help us. That You know when it talks about making disciples in the Great Commission, it says that I give you authority, okay? that I have authority, and because of that authority, then we can actually, Jesus said that, not me, but you can, through his authority given to us, then make disciples of all nations and teach people. But then it says at the end of that, there's a kind of bookends of that reading, at the end of that it talks about therefore, and it talks about how I am with you to the very end of the age. So, so if we are going to help people to be discipled, we need the authority of Jesus, in other words, his call, and we also need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We need the empowering of the Holy Spirit in those four basic ways. Do you remember the compass, for those of you who remember ages ago? New life, we need to be called by God. New life is to the north. South is sanctification. And when you think of the fruit of the Spirit of love, of peace and patience and kindness and all those different things, we need that, don't we? That, that work of the Spirit in our lives to actually fulfill this pastoral calling. We need the we, which is the koinonia, which is the building up of fellowship, because that's another work of the Holy Spirit. We need to relate to people. We need God's empowering through that koinonia gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as well. We need all of those gifts. It's no good just being a pastoral frazzled sheep. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to actually equip us to do that pastoral calling. If we look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I'll just read through quickly 1 Corinthians 12. The gifts that can really help us as we perhaps consider call to pastoral care. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Don't we need wisdom when actually we're helping, particularly helping others? To another a message of knowledge. And that talks about a specific word into a situation. To another faith. We need the faith to know that things can get better for that person. We need the faith to know that God can work in their life. We need to be able to give them that confidence to know that God is powerful. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing he cannot do. 
We need the gifts of healing, perhaps. Sometimes when we go, and I mean, it's really good if we actually speak with somebody to actually have the opportunity to pray for them, maybe for healing of something emotionally or physically or whatever. We need to, at times, have that prayer for healing and God's anointing for that. To another, miraculous powers. Sometimes that is a gift that, that is in a circumstance when somebody prays for a situation, prays for God's provision, to believe and to pray that that will happen. To another, prophecy. Those seeing things as God sees them, that gift is also helpful when you're you're with people and, and you want God to inspire you to see things in the way that he sees them and distinguishing between spirits being able to be aware of somebody's situation and how God is working within them and perhaps sometimes not and also speaking in different kinds of tongues that sometimes can be something when you're, you're you can perhaps even be doing that quietly to yourself but also when you're you're entering into perhaps sometimes a pre um, timed kind of pastoral situation you need perhaps to, to speak in tongues if you do have that gift to actually um, help God to anoint you to that pastoral ministry and to another interpretation of tongues that can be another gift obviously depending on the situation but these gifts will equip pastors you may not have to have all of them because it says doesn't it that the spirit gives distributes them to one just as he pleases just as he determines that those gifts will help us as we're considering a pastoral call. So, pastoral care. Do you have that mindset of trying to help people, trying to listen and notice and respond in whatever way God calls you to help others? Part of that is just on that practical level, but part of that's on a steeper spiritual level. Don't do it in your own strength. Pray and receive from God whatever gift he wants to give us as we respond to his call. So let us pray. We consider, Lord, again this fellowship. And just for a moment, we look to ourselves and we ask, Lord, are you asking us to respond pastorally to any situations? Are you raising up as somebody to fulfill that pastoral care role? Or maybe we recognise that in others and perhaps we want to encourage them by saying that we see that that is a real gift that they have. Pray, Lord, that you'll inspire us to have that discernment, one of the gifts of your Holy Spirit. We also pray that whatever your calling for us is, and maybe it's a few different callings, Lord, we pray that we will receive from you, not run ourselves ragged, which makes us dizzy and sends us off course, but follow you and be equipped by you, the good shepherd. As we come to you now, Lord, we pray that we may receive. We pray that we may receive everything that you want to give us. Let your anointing come upon each one of us. But also, Lord, may we know the loving arms of the good shepherd around us. 
whether we're going through valleys or whether we're on the mountains. We pray, Lord, that you are with us and that we will always keep close to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.